I don't know about you, but for me, trying to grow an analytics practice in that linear fashion is very, very uh, tedious, I guess is the right word, right? Um, in that it's like, it just seems really, really tedious to have to work through this. I can't start over here until I get all of this done. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Ah, all right. So what's going on? Uh, same old, same old. Um, <laughs> crazy, great, crazy start to the year. Um, which I mean, it, it it it's exciting, but then also like at times it gets, you know, like the the worry starts coming in because there's just so much people want to do. Everyone's coming back with with so much energy. So you don't yeah. want to you don't want to dampen that. You want to harness it, but at the same time you don't want to quickly bite off more than you can chew and then you you end up falling short so that, that's kind of my mindset as, as we approach the end of this week into this week already it's gone by yeah. so fast and i thought this week wasn't a holiday week was it, it was some kind of shortened week i like blinked mm-hmm. and it was it's friday already yeah so that's that uh Fix my hair. My mom, my mom FaceTimed me, FaceTimed me yesterday and told me to get a haircut. Nice. So. <laughs> now, is she local to where you're at? Uh, she lives about 70 miles north of me. Okay. But it's not so, like across the country. Close. No, no. She's a drive away. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our, this is our first time back after the holidays. Yeah. This is our first recording session of the new year. How did uh, how did little JP like uh, Christmas? Oh, he loved it. Um, he's now full fledged moving now. Um, he is he's all over the place. We put him down and he's just moves. You know, he finally figured out crawling and now he's already trying to stand up. Yeah, I saw I saw a picture the other day and I think he's probably bigger than my five year old at this point. It looks like um, I don't know, maybe uh, I mean, like because the, the, <laughs> we, we you know, he had a nine month checkup last night and he came in at like 19 pounds or something like that. And um, he's, you know, 20, 24 inches, maybe 25 inches. OK, if I, if I remember, it. just make him look a bit more yeah. older than he is. Yeah, but like the, the hair is what makes him look older, you know the, the, the yeah. crazy hair, and now it's kind of grown in. You comb it to the side, he looks like a three year old. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. But uh, the holidays were good, you know. Lots, yeah. lots to do, lots to see. So, um, you know, it, while it was a break, it wasn't necessarily a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's usually how it is. Lots of uh, lots of things to to get to. Mine was fairly low key, which is uh, is my style. So, and I got a late Christmas present 
was it yesterday? No, two days ago. My next door neighbor who's Hawaiian invited me over um, to, to give me a lesson on how to make spam masubi. Nice. Um, and he bought me a, a spam cutter that perfectly slices them to all consistent slices and then this uh, mold to make masubi. So I'm going to be making it tonight. Um, I've done it before, but seeing an expert do it, I picked up a lot of tips and tricks. So mm -hmm. it will be fun. So topics. Topic. So we, we've talked about this in passing previously. And I mean, like if you think about the, the origin of this conversation is it, it, it's, it's horrible. Um, you know, you, you encountered it firsthand and, you know, now we're seeing wildfires across the country of Australia, yeah, but you know, after, after your experience, you know, you drew some parallels for other, other areas of life. So the one being how far as fires spread and then how you also, you fight them because, you know, what I think you and I came to a conclusion on is, is both of those there, there's major misconceptions. Yeah. People think like, you know, a wall of fire just comes through and that's not necessarily true. And then the term, you know, fighting fires has come to denote just everyone running around crazy, trying to, to fix problems or, or get something done. And you know, since you encountered it firsthand, you know that neither of those are, are accurate, um, that, that, that they actually act differently. But then again, the, the, the parallels you can draw to, 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 to business, to the industry that we're in, to, to your career. So that, that's one of the things I wanted to, to talk about today. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting topic and and a sad topic at the same time, especially where it impacts so many people. And you know what what we had to deal with was you know you look at the scale of the the wildfires that uh, the people in Australia are facing. It I mean it's nothing on that scale. I mean it's just absolutely devastating and and horrific to see. But um, yeah, a couple a couple of years ago, and we we tend to have a good couple months of uh intense fires uh here in in utah every summer late in the summer as things, things dry out and um it's always somewhere else you know it's like oh that's horrible but <clears throat> it's somewhere else but uh two two years ago it was it was our turn to not have it be somewhere else and um kind of experienced that that firsthand and it was it was scary and a lot of the unknowns but to your point i learned a lot about wildfires probably way more than i want to know about them at this point and you know thankfully we we avoided the fire um and if you followed some of my social stuff uh unfortunately we didn't avoid all of the aftermaths um you know last summer we got hit with a pretty pretty big mudslide um as a direct result of of the fire and got uh buried by between five and ten feet of mud thankfully didn't make it inside the the house but um anyway i learned a lot about about forest fires and you know it was always my misconception that you have this raging line of fire that kind of moves in a linear fashion and as long as you stay out of the line of fire you're you're okay because that's how fires advance and yeah, I, I learned that that wasn't the case. Um, the fire was about a mile away and um, it was, I, I don't know what else to describe it like other than like little missiles falling out of the sky um, where all these burning embers were flying and falling down um, right around the homes from the fire being a mile away. 
and and the firefighters and the hot shots being diligent there to to mop those up and clean them up and as as that happened i learned that that's a natural progression of how forest fires move it's it's not this linear line where it just grows out from the edges in fact um these embers kind of shoot out blown and propelled by the wind and they start um little spot fires and it's those spot fires that then grow and come and merge and merge and then merge with the larger fire and that's how the fire the fire moves and you can really see this when the winds calm down and you can really see it at night um and the firefighters they they say something like you know the the fire has laid down um which means it's it's kind of just sitting there it's not moving and and the reason is is that line isn't really what's pushing the fire drastically forward so when conditions calm down it just kind of sits there and kind of smolders and it's only when the conditions are right to propel those spot fires out ahead of the larger fire that it actually makes progress in in moving forward so you know it's really interesting to to learn about that and we did we had i can't remember what first uh brought it up but we started drawing some analogies to just how things in general work and and how businesses work and you know how we've thought about building and growing 33 sticks and even takes taken some analogies with how we've partnered with our clients to help bring their their data practices forward and it's you know i think we've we've all thought about it whether we're growing a business or we're maturing an analytics practice that it's this linear thing um and if you think back to um some of the maturity models that some of the the industry leaders in our space have put out it's very much presented as this linear thing you know you grow from the edge of the fire you go from a to b to c to d and and so many companies failed to grasp that and i think one of the big reasons why is that's not how things move forward you know that's not how forest fires move forward that's not how wildfires move forward and that's not how businesses move forward and and really how they move forward is you have this leading edge but then you kind of send out and you test things you send out little spot fires here and there and if things you know pick up and and grow and merge with other things that then pulls the rest of it forward and um we haven't really talked about it a lot externally but internally we we've come up with a methodology to capitalize on that that concept of the spot fire and we've called it the matrix internally um, but it's this idea that a maturity model and the way that you mature whether again it's a business or a practice within a business that it's not this linear thing where you go from crawl to walk to run all at once right you mature little pieces of the business out in front of you and that pulls everything forward and it's been it's been a really powerful tool for us to use not only internally as we've matured and grown the 336 brand but also as we've worked with our clients to really mature the way that that they are using data in their businesses yeah and i mean i i think that like um i i got it now few things came back to me or you know, a couple of clients that we started working with a, a couple years ago, we were coming in and we were helping bring in a new analytic solution and trying to get the entire organization to adopt it. We didn't work. So we had to pick champions, you know, across the business and slowly or potential champions and slowly kind of bring them into the fold. And then they would drum up interest within their group, their team to, and it, it took two to three years for the org to really 
adopt it and 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 use it but it was it was you know it, trying to get outside of the immediate analytics team and the immediate users it was going out and finding these individuals because just just telling everybody okay here's the system we're going to use now and that 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 approach wouldn't work yeah and i think um I would love to come up with some examples we can share. I mean, I'm really comfortable talking about what we're doing internally at, at 33.6 because it is a lesson that we've had to learn. Again, I, you know, when, when we first started the company, I took this approach of it's, it has to be this linear thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we would throw these far distant goals out there. And then I would stand back and like, why aren't we attaining and reaching these goals? And it's because we were trying to push forward in a very unnatural way. Um, and I, you know, and as bad as, you know, the, the whole fire analogy is, it really is a good analogy to help visualize a way in which things naturally and organically pro progress. And, um, you know, in fact, we, we just got off of a company meeting today where that was kind of our focus and said, you know, one of the things we learned is we've set some really interesting, far reaching goals in the past. And sometimes we've reached it. A lot of times we haven't. And one of the big things we learned is that we've tried to do this linear approach instead of taking a more, you know, spot fire approach, putting things out there and letting it, it grow and taking the time to organically grow it. So, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, it has, it has worked really well for us. And I'm really excited this year to see how taking a more um, structured approach in that manner is going to result in, in us hitting some, some really big stretch goals for the company. But I'm also, you know, really excited about formalizing this methodology with, with our clients. Again, I think we've used it here and there with, with a few of our clients. And it seems like every time we've, we've really focused on taking that, that approach, um, it has yet to fail. Um, and it mm -hmm. just seems like such a natural, organic way to to grow. Um, and again, I think it's very counterintuitive to to what we believe. And and uh, you know, you, again, you can see that in the maturity models that our industry leaders have put out. And you can probably see it in your own thought process, whether it's professionally or personally, in in things that you've wanted to do to grow. That you know, we've all thought it's this very methodical, linear path, and and oftentimes it it, it is absolutely the opposite of that so i'm going to get all what's the what's the word to use maybe like new agey you know um and and all motivational speakery um and i just coined that term um but if, if you think about it like what, what you're saying is is how you learn and how you progress is is through failure you know if you're successful at everything you're, you're not going to learn and you know, you're not going to progress forward. You're just going to continue to do the same thing. You know, think about it. Like, would a movie be interesting? And would you care about a character that never failed, that, that, that always succeeded? Probably not. You're not going to cheer for them. You're not going to invest in that character if, if they're flawless. You're going to invest in that character if they're flawed. Maybe they, they share the same flaws as you. So getting back to what you were talking about, like, because when, when you talk that way, I, I, I see a line graph where it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, where the overall trend is trending up. Um, but you have some ups, you have some downs. Those downs are maybe times that you tripped and had to learn and you move, you know, you were able to move forward from that learning. Yeah. And I think there's some memes out there where they say, you know, this is what people think of an entrepreneur's path. And it's like this straight line from nothing to, you know, billionaire. Mm -hmm. And, 
and then they have another one where it's like this up down squirrely lines backtrack to the beginning this yep. is what it's really like um and and that is that is definitely the case and man i have this memory burned into my head and i, I don't know if i've shared it on previous podcasts but I want to say I was six or seven uh, when I first uh, started learning how to snow ski, and uh, I was I, I learned at a resort in uh, in Utah, a little resort in I think Ogden, Weber Canyon, called Nordic Valley, and um, I don't know, maybe it was my second or third lesson. I was on the bunny slope, and I had gotten to the point where I was going to the top by myself on the lift, coming down and meeting my instructor at the bottom, and I was doing it every time. And I felt really good about myself that I'd go up, come down, go up, come down. Like, I'm doing it. And Mm -hmm. I get down one time and my instructor had this really, really almost upset look on his face. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm crushing this, man. You know, he's like, he's like, dude, how are we going to ever make it off the bunny hill if you never fall? You're not pushing yourself. You're not trying new techniques. You're not doing anything to get better. So yeah, you may never fall, but we're never going to get off this basic hill if you keep coming down mm-hmm. the mountain like that. Yeah. Well, think about it. You know, the ultimate paradox is well, knowing what I know now, I would never do that again. If you mm-hmm. never did, if you if you went back and didn't do it, you wouldn't know what you know now. Um, back in my late twenties, I made a few really big mistakes that took a few years to dig out of. And, and it took me a couple of years to come to the realization that, you know, because you know, at first it's like, wow, I, I would never do that again, knowing what I know now. But then all of a sudden there was this moment of clarity. It's like, well, I wouldn't know what I know now if I didn't do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I think it, it, it uh, kind of covers so many different things. And, you know, we started off talking about, you know, this is how we think about building a business, or this is how we think about maturing a client. But I think it's relevant in, in so many different things. And I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we think back, you know, to, to in being employed somewhere else, and, and maybe we're doing the the dreaded quarterly review of, you know, where, where we, we hit in our, in our goals, if we restructure those to be a little bit more like that, right. Those, those reviews and the way we look at employee progressions, again, tend to be this linear straight line. We want you to go from A to B, but it's so unnatural and so unrealistic. You know, do we, do we change the way in which we engage with our employees and help them grow and know that it's, it's not a linear path. And, and many times, if you think about it, they they punish mistakes. So that yeah, makes sure. employees risk averse. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of companies, you know, back to my very first job out of out of college, they they forced a uh, a uh, bell curve the way they rated all their employees. So there had I've to be a, a set of number of. It was horrific. You know, it was there were a set number of what they called high performers. And they were the ones that are, were eligible for bonuses. There were a set number of low performers, and they were kind of put on notice that if they didn't improve, they would be let go. And then the most of the staff was just this fat part of the curve that was performing. And I'm going to be honest, I, you know, I think there are probably a few people. I don't know if it's for the good of the company that try to get into that high performer group. But I think most of the really smart people just wanted to stay off the radar, you know. And I think it had the unintended effect of of pushing really smart people not to really achieve what they they were capable of, simply because they wanted to be off the radar because mistakes were 
were seen as a bad thing and punished. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's better to go down the mountain and not fall, um, which, you know, looking back on it, it is unfortunate because you're, you're right. I think if we look at our progression as professionals, I think most of my major leap forwards can be tied to massive mistakes or, you know, things I wish I would have done differently. Um, but had I done so, do I give up that opportunity to, to learn and grow? Probably. I probably do. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, even as something as simple as, uh, as, as this podcast, you know, we, we don't have the, those rigid quarterly reviews and it's like, did you get closer to this goal or did you get closer to that goal? Because I've been part of that and the, the billable rate and the utilization rate were part of the goals instead of it being metrics and ways to measure, you know, how you were contributing, they were the goals themselves. So with, you know, those being goals, you couldn't find, you know, find ways to carve out time to do something else. And if yeah. you did, it was carving out time on the weekend. Yeah. And I think it's, it's an unfortunate and in most cases, unintended consequence of, of some of those models. And if we go back to the analogy, we started this conversation with, with, with the fire, it's very short-term focused, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these things are very short-term looking at the edge of the fire. We want to look at the edge of progression because that's here and now, but the, the larger growth, the larger value back to both the individual and the company comes from those spot fires that are out there in the mm -hmm. future. But we, we have to be willing to look past today. And it's, you know, it's an unfortunate part of so many businesses. And I don't know if the corporate if the culprit is Wall Street or or what it is, but um, we've we've focused way too much on the leading edge of the fire. And it's what is happening today rather than, but where are we gonna go tomorrow? And we've looked to maximize quarterly profits over long-term stability and growth. Um, I recently met with uh, my financial advisor. It's part of the, the bank that I've been banking with since, geez, I think I opened my account in 96 with them. Uh, and there was some big news locally that they were going through a pretty sizable layoff um, within the bank. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So I did some research and I looked, they're a public company. And so I looked at their financials and I'm like, they, in 2019, they netted $820 million net, net wow. after all, all, after all expenses, everything paid net $820 million. It was short of shareholder expectations. Stock price dropped in order to address the short-term problem. The CEO said, well, we're going to cut costs by letting people go. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, am I crazy here? Like you're maximizing the short term for long. Now, maybe, maybe there was fat to be cut. Maybe, maybe there were things to do, but this whole short term way of thinking just goes against, again, everything that I've seen in nature of how things naturally and, and organically grow and to force these short term gains just seems to be, it just seems to be a really, really hard way to do to do business and and maybe a few people at the top get rich and a few shareholders rejoice but the rest of us in the system end up being pretty miserable and, and to that too you know part of the the, the short term or like wall street driving the short term I, I think it's also we've talked about this multiple times it's it's management having to be done down to the lowest common denominator 
And it's, um, and and actually maybe this isn't a cause for the luck of the short term. It's, it's actually, it's a result. So maybe I'm jumping ahead. So let's come back to this. That's how how forest fires grow. They jump ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Because what I was thinking is, is you have, you know, you have this management down to the the lowest common denominator. So, you know, my, my wife my wife's a school teacher, and you know they they have you know their sick day policy. They have a couple personal days a year because you know schools closed for three months out of the year. Um, in her school, you know, a couple people abuse the the sick policy, and in most places, you call out when you're sick, and then if you don't call out, they expect you to come in. Well, instead of addressing those people that are abusing the sick policy, because, you know, and sometimes they just wouldn't call out, um, you also, you know, if you call out one day, you have to call out the day before you're returning. So say you just got like, you know, the 24 hour stomach bug, you call out in the morning, you know, you have to call by the end of the day to say, oh yeah, I'll be back tomorrow, just so they know. And I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. So everybody has to deal with this inane policy. And we, we just need everybody to do this because these few people can't follow the rules. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's probably a, a big discussion we can have a whole uh, mm-hmm. whole episode on. Um, but you, you're right. I mean, I think it's an unfortunate part of, of how things grow. And when you look at, again, looking at things growing in a linear fashion, I think oftentimes that becomes the default way of, of doing management rather than Mm -hmm. thinking ahead, projecting ahead and growing the company in that way. It's, you know, to say it's lazy probably isn't, isn't fair, but I think to call it default is, is a fair, uh, a fair, um, summary of, of why that, that gets put into place and, and why businesses end up operating that way. And, and again, it, maybe it makes a few people successful and happy and rich, but for, for the most part, I know very few people that enjoy working in, in those type of environments. Yeah. They, 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 they feel like they're treated like cattle. Yeah. It's no way to work. No. Um, I want to. I want to challenge you to put on your. Since this is kind of your day to day, I want to challenge you to put on your your guide hat. Um, and and I want you to think about if um, you know. Let's say a, a new analytics manager came to you and said, "Hey, Jim, I'm I'm taking over this practice. They have a lot of expectations for me. I've I've read a lot of uh, material that's been blogged about over the years about maturity curves, and it looks like." You know, I go from data collection to I build dashboards, then I do analysis, then I stand up an optimization program, then I do personalization. You know, going back to this, the, these things that we've learned that that's not really how things progress. What would what would your advice be as an advisor, as a guide to that analytics manager to say, you know, I want to challenge you to think a little bit differently about how you would mature your your program. Mm-hmm. The first thing is is Chances are that person's coming in and seeing, you know, like what industry leaders are saying is like the way to go. So if you if you immediately come in and say, no, that's not the way to go, it's you're challenging them directly 
instead of challenging their information. So I think they'll, they'll hold to it. So I wouldn't necessarily say, no, throw it out the window. Here's another way to look at it. What I would say is, yes, that, that's a good, broad thing to look at. But again, then start the conversation around this isn't a linear path and introduce the concept of each of those. They're not steps. They're not milestones. They're categories. They're categories to address. And some you can address so, you know, sooner rather than later. Some you can address faster. Some take longer. And then there's also prerequisites. Like you can't immediately jump to, say, personalization without ensuring that you have the most uh, most basic of data integrity. So what I would say is, you know, don't look at those as steps or milestones or goals. Think of those as categories. And so let's, ass let's assess where things are at today and then break those categories down into, into subcategories, chunk them down to make them much more easily digestible. Because again, like, you know, you, you look at a big goal such as personalization and personalization driven on, I'm going to be, you know, really aggressive and really cliche, you know, <laughs> you know real time personalization driven on first party data that we collect on, on a user. So as a user's um, browsing the site, we want to know what's going on so we can tailor the, tailor the experience, you know, immediately. That's, I mean, that, that's a massive undertaking. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were to try to bite that off right away, you're not really ever going to get started because it's there are so many things that that go into that, and chances are many of those pieces are either missing or they're incomplete. So, if you're saying that's my ultimate goal, you're going to fail right off the bat, or you're going to feel like you're failing three months, and you're not going to get very far. So, if you go back to let let's break these these major things down, forget them as milestones; they're categories break them into subcategories. Let's assess where the organization's at. Let, let's, let, let's, let's do that. And then let's start building out a map to get there with actual milestones, mm -hmm. because you actually want to build a milestone so that that analytics manager can go to their stakeholders, their leadership and say, here's our plan. Here's where we're going to be in three months. And these are the capabilities that we're going to have. And then yeah. three months after that, these are the capabilities we plan to unlock. So at that point, you're able to keep your leadership happy that there's you're constantly getting new things while marching to that incredibly aggressive goal of real-time personalization based on data that they collect on user behavior. Yeah, and I want to touch on that a little bit because I think this whole concept of moving in a nonlinear fashion, and again, going back and tying this in with our analogy of spot fires, um, I think being able to grow in that way has has two really strong advantages when you look at it from that perspective number one from a just a personal perspective i don't know about you but for me trying to grow an analytics practice in that linear fashion is very very uh tedious i guess is the right word right um in that it's like it just seems really really tedious to have to work through this i can't start over here until i get all of this done and again, I just think it, it, the reason it feels tedious is it's very unnatural because, of course, the baseline, the foundation needs to be the focus. But that isn't to say you can't push, start pushing up some of the other components down the stream in parallel. Um, so I think from a personal perspective, it helps keep the job a lot fresher um, and, and just ha is, is more fulfilling. Uh, I think more importantly, 
it it addresses one of the concerns that I hear from executives all the time. And that is executives always want to run faster. Mm-hmm. Want to always go faster. And they're I think they've grown tired of this uh, kind of outdated maturity model where it, you know it's it's this very linear path and in nine months we're gonna start making progress on the things that are in, interesting to me. So if we can take more of this spot fire approach and work on the foundational pieces, but still, you know, we're going to start moving things up in insights. We're going to start touching on a few things in optimization. And you know what? Even though we're probably nine months out, we're going to start lighting up a few things in personalization within a couple of months. Uh, that, that keeps your stakeholders invested and happy because they're, they're tired of hearing that we'll get there but we're not going to start showing you any kind of results or even turning on the lights in this personalization category for until a year from now. They just don't want to hear it. And, and again, I wasn't a believer in that. I, I believed in this very linear model early on, but I've thrown it out. I just don't think it's natural and I just don't think it, it's a healthy way to, to progress. So I think taking the spot fire approach addresses two very real needs that from a personal perspective, you got to keep this interesting. And from a professional perspective, your stakeholders don't want to hear that they're, you're not going to start turning on some of those things they're interested about and for until a year from now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to build traction with them is, you know, every, every couple of months delivering new features, new capabilities. And ultimately those, you know, it, it's not the actual action of enabling those features and capabilities. It's being able to solve business problems. We've solved this. We can now do this regardless of what the actual feature is, is, you know, we're, you know, we're able to, to send an email to a customer within three hours of taking this custom action on our site, right? Like if you, you can bring in an abandoned cart solution and, you know, if you're an e-commerce shop that, um, they, they can send an email within an hour. Everyone's able to do that these days. It, you know, I think that that was revolutionary eight years ago, you know, being able to send a, an abandoned cart email that quickly. Um, now it's, I just don't want to send an abandoned cart email. I want to send an email an hour after a visit where, you know, with three products a person viewed, or I'm a publisher. And so, you know, the, you know, an hour after someone comes in and follows a new topic that, you know, on, on our site, I want to send an email with our top, top read articles within that topic to make sure that they're interested and come back. Like those kind of things where it's not saying, well, we enabled this feed that sends this data to this place and it processes it. And, you know, know, we we enabled this API call, which, you know, enables us to get the data so much faster. You know, no, it's we're able to connect with a customer after performing this custom event within an hour. Yeah. So let's let's dig into that a little bit more um, and, and talk from from your personal experience and you know we don't need to talk about maybe um specific clients by name mm-hmm. or 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 example but maybe some of the the learnings you have you've had from it again um you know you've been with us a long time when we started out we we kind of took that very linear a fire grows from the edge a mm-hmm. client progresses very linear um we took that approach with our clients and it was you know 
maybe halfway through your your tenure where we we had these insights to make this pivot to the matrix um, and grow in more of a spot fire approach what has been your experience with clients where we've we've made that shift and walked away from the linear maturity model um, to the matrix model that that you've used with your clients I, I mean it, it's all positive um... I'll say the reason, one of the key reasons being is, is we've had time to build rapport with them. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's key because again, because it goes against the grain, there needs to be a level of rapport or weight behind what you say. Um, but you know, the, the, the clients where we've introduced that it, it, it's, there's been a level of embrace. And I, I think I, I know we've seen an acceleration in what we've been able to enable them to do. Um, because instead of saying we have, you know, with the, with a linear approach, it's, we have to have everything done here before we can even touch here, or we need to get these two steps completed before we can get to the third one with the matrix approach, with that spot fire approach, we're able to start reaching out and saying, okay, yes, we're still stay on step two, but let's start, you know, poking away at things on step four. Let's start laying the foundation there. And then that gets people excited to say, okay, we're starting to reach out into new areas and it, it brings people in and that's what helps build momentum. Yeah. And, and I would tell you anecdotally, it's, it's changed the mix of our business with the types of projects that we do. Um, and I don't know that we can map it back directly to taking this new approach to to maturity, um, but I think it's definitely a key part of it. Uh, you know, when we started the company, 90% plus of our engagements were pure implementation projects. Um, now, the majority of our work doesn't have an implementation component. Um, and when it does, it's not a standalone. It's it's part of unlocking larger initiatives that the businesses are that the businesses we work with are looking to do with with their data. So I think anecdotally adopting this new methodology of of maturing our clients has raised uh, the the stakes and raised kind of the level that we're positioned at within 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 the organizations that we work in. And I think that that's a plus for everybody, right? Um, and and not to not not to downplay implementation at all. It's a very critical piece of of what we do. But you know, you and I came up in the implementation ranks, and the thing that I hated the most about implementation was feeling like my job didn't matter. You know, there was no connection to what what all this work is enabling. What is it doing? And I think elevating the conversation and being able to spot those fires out there and say that you know, this is enabling things and this actually has meaning. I'm doing something of value. I know it's made our jobs more enjoyable, but I know for a fact it's made the, the, the clients that we work with, the people that we work with, it's made their jobs more enjoyable because we've taken them from just working on tasks, capturing data and variables to now they're doing something meaningful that's enabling the company to, you know, sell more products, provide a richer experience. And if you think um, about it, it's exciting. Yeah, and, and also with the the similar folks, it, it it's not just the data collection, but the distribution, because if you think about it on on the flip side too, you know a lot of a lot of people like once the data is wired up, they get stuck in the the basic report distribution or wiring up you know very generic dashboards. You know, it's some of the questions are okay, how do you want to use this data, 
And of course, the initial thing is, is well, we need to wire up some dashboards. Okay, but where can we go from there? Who else can we get, you know, who else can we send this data to? We've got rules collecting it for, for one vendor. What's well, not to say we don't piggyback off of that logic and send it to a, a, another vendor that can supplement your, you know, your, your email campaigns or e uh, supplement your display campaigns. You know, we, you know, um, I, I think back to 10 years ago, a client I was working with, we spent, you know, this is also in the early days of, of tag management system. So we, one was not in play with this project. It was, everything was instrumented through the page code of the site, major retailer. Mm -hmm. So we spend months in discovery, months in development. We finally launch this incredibly advanced implementation. And so I asked the question like, okay, so what's next with the, the, this data we're now collecting? And it's like, well, dashboards, dashboards and you know, some scheduled reports. And it's like, well, where else can we send this data to? You know, we're collecting all of this. And, you know, if, if you're just looking at using reports, you know, for, for example, going back to how can we personalize the site? This is one specific use case. But at the time I was like, okay, so you've got a report that tells you how people are, you know, people are engaging with, say, a product detail page. Um, by the time you notice some strange behavior and actually analyze it, the time is passed. The time to act on it is passed. So, you know, how can we use this data now to help, you know, inform right away that either something's wrong or people aren't engaging with the the page in the way you, you did. And again, I'm getting way into the weeds at the moment, but like that, that's, that's always been something that's always stuck with me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, I, I love this concept. Um, and, and it, it, it does, it applies to so many different areas, not only in business, but but in life um and it's something that i've i've really adopted and one of the things that i've struggled with a lot and I, again i probably mentioned this is that uh, i have some really big destinations that i want to get to it's the how do i get there piece where i tend to break down and i think uh, uh, the biggest part of my struggle is trying to look at it in a in a very linear fashion that i have to master all of the basic things before i touch any of the intermediate things and then i have to master all the intermediate before i master the advanced and again it's just it's just not a very natural way of of progression and um, you know, we've had Evan LaPointe on the podcast uh, a couple times, a really, really interesting conversation every time he's on. Um, but I've been working with him personally to kind of help me a bit. And one of the things that um, he's provided me with is this concept of taking this growth by Spotfire analogy and applying it to to my personal life and some of the things that I've wanted to to accomplish. And it was uh, a huge insight that he gave me is that, you know, again, most things don't progress in this strictly linear fashion. It's okay to put your focus on being a beginner right now, but you can experiment with some things in the intermediate realm. You can start playing with a few advanced techniques and that's how you're really going to pull your, your practice forward. Again, whether it's something you're working on professionally or something that you're trying to master uh, personally. So, you know, I've been really trying to put that into play. I've been trying to put that in play. I, you know, I played the piano since I was like eight, but, you know, just off and on. And I've kind of uh, put a more dedicated approach to my practice and and I've kind of used that that technique. But 
I've just used it across the board in trying to accomplish some really, really far out things um, that I've been stuck on because I've been stuck in this mindset that I have to progress in just a pure linear fashion. So it's been super helpful. And I would just put a plug out for Evan if you want to be <laughs> if you want to become a superhuman. He's doing some really cool things with companies with his new company core um, around, you know, being superhuman and, and developing that into the culture of companies, you should definitely reach out to him. But I, for me personally, it's been really transformative. And I think that's been reflected in, in, in 33 sticks and how we've looked at, at growing the business. And hopefully you as a, as an employee have seen that as a, a very positive, um, thing that we've learned and changed and how we've structured the growth of the company. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree with that. And this is definitely not kissing your ass. Um, I try to give you honest feedback. Um, no, I, I've definitely seen a pivot in the last year and a half where it's it, it's focusing. Are we are we taking on the engagements that are going to challenge us? Are we taking on the right engagements? Are we yeah. trying to be everything to everybody? Because you know that th- that doesn't work out for anyone in the end. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't. And again, I think the default is to be, well, let's grow at the edge and mm-hmm. eventually conditions change and you burn out. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I like challenging ourselves. I like throwing those spot fires out in front of us and seeing what we can grow into some flame out. Um, but the ones that, that pick up momentum and merge with other things tend to be the things that really help pull our, our company forward. And, um, you know, I, again, I really like looking at it both from a company perspective and an individual perspective because it is such a natural way of, of progressing things. So, you know, I think that's the biggest takeaway in this kind of, this conversation kind of meandered in different areas that I didn't expect it to take, but I think it was um, valuable to hit on, on these topics. But I think I just keep coming back to this concept that the, the biggest thing that I've learned over the past couple of years, and you, you, you mentioned like maybe last 16 months or so, that's when this thing really started to click for me is that my, my mindset of a pure linear progression is just counter to the way things um, are grow in a more natural sense and, and adopting this um, mindset of allowing to, to kind of have the, the base of what you're trying to grow your focus, but your real growth is throwing things out in front of you and letting things stick and, and grow and you grow into that. It's, it's really been transformative again for us as 33, six and, and for me personally. And you thought I was crazy when I said, let's start a podcast. <laughs> I did think you were crazy. <laughs> but to be fair, everyone thought you were crazy. So uh, most, most people were, still think I'm crazy. <laughs> you were the one that believed into believed in it. And it's, uh, I don't know what episode we are on now. It's this is episode 90. It's crazy, right? Uh, yep. And people listen. Yeah, that's, we that's love right. it. Thank you. We, we appreciate yeah. our listeners. Oh, seriously, it's uh, it's amazing people listen. And um, I hope that means that they're at least getting some entertainment, but hopefully some some valuable nuggets that they can take and apply to their personal life, apply to their professional life, and um, hopefully you know be a little bit better, strive to do a little bit more, um, get a little bit more enjoyment out of their job. That's what... That's what we hope is is happening. Yep. So, so I think that's a, a good spot to, to, to wrap up on. Agreed. And I just dropped it. So your your wife made me, you know, your wife made me the little uh, 33 sticks logo on the 3D printer. Yeah. It's, nice. my, it's, my fid, it's my fidget thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. Nice. Cool. cool. Well, good well, chat. We'll, 
Yep. Good chat. We'll uh, we'll wrap up there and uh, we'll catch everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.